Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Super excited to have Chris Audette here. He is the head honcho at The Group. Chris, welcome to the show. Very glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Omar. Superb. One of the reasons I'm excited to have you here is before you became a realtor and started building a team and doing amazing things, that you were actually doing lead generation for realtors. So you got to play with a whole bunch of realtors. So it gives you a unique perspective on the industry and how to build a kick-ass amazing team. Yeah, well, we've definitely gained some insights from it. Um, I don't know that we're the the leaders in doing it, but uh, we've had a lot of a lot of successes, and frankly, we've had a lot of failures as well. And uh, some of those failures were the things that really catapulted our successes up a little bit further. Doesn't feel like it when you're going through the failure, though, does it? it at the time, it's pretty tough to see. Yes, um, you know. Having said that, I've looked back uh, among many things that have happened in my lifetime, and um, the biggest, boldest, and best lessons um, usually have been uh, circum- circumstanced around the the biggest failures. So. Um, it's it's a journey that you can take and you can prosper from or uh, or you can kind of revel in and and uh, have it affect you in negative ways. We, we what's kind of positive? Yeah, what's kind of interesting is when people you know are giving advice it's like, hey, you know, it's perfectly natural to fail, and when you fail, it's not a failure; it's a learning experience. And it sounds like, are you kidding me? Because intellectually we understand it, but when you're going through it, you feel it viscerally in your body and all those inner voices that were telling you you're no good actually get louder and you start believing them more. Yeah, those inner voices can be pretty loud for sure. But you know, I I think it really has a lot to do with how you look at the circumstances that are happening around you and and the the level of accountability that you take into it as well. Um, You know, there are very few things that happen to us. Um, we typically co-create the situations mm-hmm. um, in our in our lives, and uh, if you can look at that, then you can gain a lot of power from it. Um, you can lose power, you can you can give power away, but you can also gain the power behind it and just uh, looking at it without blame. You know, and I think that's the key is is uh, um, being accountable without without blaming someone or blaming yourself or blaming the market. It's just doing it without without blame. You know, what's kind of curious to me is this. If you got person A going to go buy a car at a car dealership, oftentimes they'll show up uh, a lot more meeker and milder and wimpier. But if a friend's taking them to help them buy a car, then they're like freaking lions and they're like so powerful. And then the reason I bring that up is oftentimes on the failures that we have, we are so cruel to ourselves. Had a friend gone through it, we would have gone, listen, Chris, A, you're not dead and B, you know, you help do this, but you can overcome this. And we have more compassion for other people than ourselves. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, very much so. I'd say that's probably the common thread in, you know, 90% of, of the people out there. Um, <laughs> I guess the two ends of the spectrum, you're a narcissist or you're not. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about one of the uh, times, Chris, where you uh, fell down, where you failed and how you got back up again. Because oftentimes it's not instantaneous. It's a process. So can you think of a specific time where you failed? And then it's like, this is how I got back in action. 
Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll give you the one that we're going through right now. Um, and have talking been, to me? Uh, no, no, not talking to me. It's another thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not this right, right, right now. Um, but I, I mentioned that we started the business as a lead generation company, and we we started taking off very, very quickly. Um, we were front runners um, in a field that was very far behind uh, current technology. Um, because of that, it allowed me to be lax. So I was lax in my business structure. I was lax in the, the website development that I was doing, um, which was kind of the foundation and the mainstay of our of our company. Um, and we still prospered. But I prospered in a very passive way. Um, you know, and, and being lax, I, I knew it would come up to bite me at one point. However, it was in the future. And I think when we look at things that are in the future, um, they're very less pressing. We're, we're really willing to... Um, put up with a lot of negatives for the future, as long as we're not seeing them, you know, right now in the present and, and having to sacrifice now. Um, so that, you know, that, that delay is, is uh, kind of key in our, in our lives. Um, our site has been suffering on the rankings for the past uh, about a year and a half, and it's been a long toil and trouble to get it back there. However, um, you know, if, if I look at that in an unaccountable way, um, damn, uh, you know, I, I wish I wasn't such an idiot and so right. lazy and just, you know, kind of sat back and let it all happen. But if I look at it in an accountable way, which is, you know, doing it without blame, it's like, well, that was silly. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to stay on top of this stuff. And the things that I'm learning now, because I was pushed down into the, the lower edges of it, um, are, are pretty amazing that I think are going to catapult us to the top again, um, in a very, very substantial way and keep us there for quite a bit longer as well. So long as I don't fall into that complacency again. Yeah, it's, uh, those lessons are really important. And what's kind of interesting what you're chatting about is, let's say for some unknown reason, Chris, you were like uh, being a dick to me right now. And at that point, I, <laughs> yeah, at that point, I'd go, you know, Chris is a bad guy. Chris is evil. Chris is horrible. And I'm giving you all the power. Yep. And if I looked at it, even if it was not true, what did I do to contribute to this? It puts me back in control. Even if it's not true, as long as it's useful, and I think in this world, we have tools that are absolutely correct, and sometimes we have tools that are actually are misplaced, but they're still useful to us. A good example could be is like, you know, I am going to uh, use this dating profile to go find mates. Uh, even if that profile was totally flawed and I found the right person, who cares as long as I found the right person? And so I think being at cause, which is I take responsibility for this, even if it's not true, it's so useful in keeping us in control. Yeah, you know what? I couldn't agree more. And it's funny as you say that, um, something that strikes me is a conversation that I had with a friend uh, not all that long ago. And, and it, the basic premise of it was, does it serve you? You know, that's great, yeah. but does it serve you? It might be good, it might be bad, it might be whatever you, you feel it is at the time, but at the end of the day, does it serve you? To think you're beautiful, to think you're ugly, to, to think you're smart, to think you're not, uh, to think this person is doing this to you or, or life is this. At the end of the day, just does, does it serve you? Does it, does it help you in, uh, in your life's goals or does it, does it hinder you? And if it hinders you, maybe you should look at uh, altering your perception of it. I was uh, watching this TV show with James Cameron, the guy that did Avatar and Titanic. Yeah. And he was talking about a word that you really love. And he said, I love the word can't because it switches on something within me that gets me to prove them wrong. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really good point. And, and that whole can't thing really just, it kind of stops your brain from looking for solutions. Yeah. 
I remember, sorry to, to interrupt. I remember a number of years ago, it, this was actually the catalyst in the, in the start of the company that became quite successful is I was talking to a major tech company here in, uh, in Calgary, 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 Alberta, Canada. And, uh, we came to them looking for a solution to a web problem that we have. And they said, you can't do it. It just, it can't be done. Uh, I walked away from there uh, and I was talking to the CEO. Um, so he's kind of one of the big leagues on it. Um, I walked away from there and I thought, I don't quite believe that. So I'm going to Google things. And I Googled a programmer um, who for $120 gave me the perfect solution to what I was looking for. Um, and, and I went to, uh, to pay him in his small, modest home. And, you know, the, the guy in the big mansion uh, who's running a major tech company in, in Calgary here said, can't, we can't do it um, by not trusting in that and finding someone else who could, um, you know, we, yeah. we excelled. And it's, it's funny how that, how that word is so, so big. And I can see why it would be one of his favorites as well. Yeah, and the, and the word is so small, but has a big impact. Like, Kent, it's just four letters uh, with an apostrophe. What's kind of interesting is uh, when I'm working with people, sometimes uh, they'll go, I can't do that. And then what I say is, of course you can't. Yeah. But if you could, <laughs> how would that look know? like? If the person says, I can't, and you said, sure you can, and you try and force them, they like dig in. But if you say, if they say, I can't, you say, of course you can't. But if you could, what would that look like? That well, if I could, it would look like, and they just describe exactly what they need to be doing to make it happen. So oftentimes, that word "can't" stops you in the track, and if you can get over it, it becomes a jumping board to doing something amazing. I love the way you agree with them first. You know, <laughs> putting yourself on their side and, and kind of just jarring them a little bit. I'm, I'm sure is actually the probably a catalyst to, to really get their mind kind of invoked in, in the conversation and starting up with you. But, yeah, but I, I, had this, I had this woman bring her daughter in. Her daughter was about nine years old, 10 years old, and uh, they had the Maryland State Assessment. That's in elementary school, you know, what you're going to do in life in terms of university or not. So it's this test. And she discovered that her daughter didn't have a learning disability. It was test anxiety. So she brings her in to see me the day before the test. And so she's sitting uh, with me, her mom's next to her, and I go, uh, you got a major test tomorrow, right? She goes, yeah. And I go, you're probably going to fail, right? And the mom's like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to tell her she's like made of stars. And this little girl goes, ah, yeah. And then I pause, and then I go, well, unless we figure something out different, right? And it's that agreement. People kind of get dug into their reality of the world. If you try and fight it, they'll push back. But if you agree with them for a moment and then offer the possibility of change, oftentimes they'll go on the journey with you. And that kind of brings me to this, Chris. You've got a team of right now about nine uh, real estate agents in your team? Nine agents, that's correct. Yeah. I'm clairvoyant, folks. And uh, so on one of those agents, don't name names, or other people you were leading in the past, who was someone that you looked at and you saw something in them that was spectacular, amazing, and they couldn't see it in themselves? And how did you coax them to kind of realize that they could do so much more? That's a good question. That's a tough question, to be perfectly frank. Um, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself um, a great person at invoking others, but I will speak authentically and passionately what I am authentic and passionate about. Yes. Um, I, I think that allows others to, to do the same. Um, and I have definitely been fortunate enough to work. You know what? Let me put it this way. I think other people have affected me 
more than I have affected other people. I have been extremely fortunate in my life to have some very amazing people surround me, and I've chosen to see um, what is amazing about them. I, you know, I guess in that, um, I, I allow them to grow and to to support themselves and to to to. There's there's that old expression, um, you don't know what you don't know. Yes. But I think there's another expression that's very important too, is you don't know what you do know. And I think just that that agreeance, like you were talking about, so that agreeance with people and then expanding on things and, and questioning in a very, you know, um, Labradorian sort of way, you know, just naturally curious as to, to what they think um, allows people to actually bring out in themselves what, they, what they've already got in there. They just didn't really realize that that power and that strength was there. Very similar to what you were just talking about with, of course you can't. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, I, was I guess but is going to be my most favorite word. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was working with this team uh, actually in Baltimore, Maryland. And so I was working with each of their agents and they all had their own issues. And this one guy was uh, ready to quit. He says, you know, hey, I'm not earning much. I've been doing this for a while. And uh, he didn't tell me that, but we figured out what the block was. One part of his psyche knew he could be great at this industry. And another unconscious part of his, uh, his makeup was uh, you don't deserve to be successful. Yeah. He had a problem with drugs in the past and somewhere a belief got formed that you'll never amount to much or you don't deserve. And we kind of resolved that in the first session. And uh, three weeks into the program, uh, he's got this amazing testimonial that, you know, this month I've got nine listings. I didn't have any at the beginning of the month and you just helped me believe in myself. And we got that part of his psyche that was sabotaging him because we all have that part in different areas, in different uh, degrees of strength that sometimes we don't accept who we truly deeply are and we're freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And you know, I think we've all got a small version of us and a big yes. version of us. And really, what do we choose to be? In any given moment, do I choose to be the bigger person, the big, the big, the bigger version of me, the more powerful, you know, self-owning person, or 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 the person who's going to play little? Uh, am I going to do this podcast or not? Do I have something to contribute? Well, maybe maybe not for ninety percent of it, but maybe one little nugget just uh, is that. So I'm going to be the bigger me, and I'm going to I'm going to be part of this of this podcast because Umar's giving me this opportunity. So one of the things that I really find fascinating is no matter which army, what time in history, anywhere in the world, you get a group of strangers coming together in basic training and they go through basic training and bond into a platoon. And mm -hmm. in that platoon, when they get there, they may not do anything for the general other than follow orders because they have to, but for each other, they'll take a bullet. They will risk their lives for each other because yeah. when you bond as a team, that you do extraordinary things for other people. So oftentimes, I may not do something for myself, but if you were part of my team and you were counting on me, I would go above and beyond the call of duty to do that. And the reason I cue that up and frame that up is this, is that Chris, your job as the leader of your team, part of it is this is because you believe in yourself so strongly and the journey you guys are on that it allows the people you're leading, if you're doing it right, to borrow some of your certainty and your trust and go discover themselves and do extraordinary things. Does that statement make sense or does it sound like BS? Well, part of me says it sounds like BS, right? No, no. Um, and, and that's- Yeah, you know, yeah that's, tell me that. Yeah. So, well, so what part of you says that? that? 
and that's the negative the negative side of, of one shoulder i guess yeah. um, you know, we've, we've always got these two these two birds on on uh, on our shoulders and one's chipping at us with the, the negative self-talk and and the other's talking at us with the positive and depending on which moment you uh you talk to me i'm, I'm gonna believe either of them um, yeah one or the I, other absolutely yeah and, and i really just kind of hope that the positive one um, wins out more often than the negative one. And, and I think if we can do that, then we're going to be a little bit ahead. But the, the more you, you kind of even look at the, the negative one and then, well, you can't do this. Well, I can do this. I can be the bigger me. So how am I going to do it in the moment? I guess would be kind of just a nice little challenge to, your, to yourself yeah. and not listen to that. So like my background is very much neuroscience and kind of what's, uh, what's kind of interesting is this, is that negative voice isn't there in isolation. There is a belief somewhere in the unconscious that got created somewhere that's driving this negative voice. And we can try and shut that voice up. And sometimes we're successful, but it doesn't go away unless we uncover the underlying driver for it. And when we can go down to the underlying driver and make peace with that, and the voice just goes away, which is like yeah. spectacular. But, but going back to you know leveraging you as a leader, what really brought it into sharp focus for me was this. I was doing something for charity. It was rappelling down a 28-story building to raise money for the National Kidney Foundation. And it all sounded really good and super exciting when I was thinking about it. But when I was on the building with the harness and I looked down <laughs> 28 stories, all of a sudden it was like, holy crap, I don't know these people that are rigging me up. Yeah. <laughs> Who they are, how good they are. And I suddenly realized the reason I'm doing it is because I trust the director of the National Kidney Foundation, and my trust for her is being leveraged by these people doing the rigging. And oftentimes, here's the job of the leader, I think, this threefold. Number one is to have a kick-ass, amazing vision that people go, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. The second thing is a culture. How do we build a culture where people, it's not about me and my selfishness. It's about how can I as uh, be part of this team and help the team succeed? And that's part of that leadership and trust. And the third one is, you know, how do you create long-term shareholder value? So how do you make your company, the group, more and more profitable as you go? So no pressure, Chris. Kind of that's your job, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. None whatsoever. <laughs> so, Chris, oh, go ahead, please. And, and, you know, I think that, that culture aspect has been uh, a common theme that keeps coming back to me anyway. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and it usually from uh, the big, massive leaders that uh, that I've been fortunate to to have in my life, um, you know that that I've used as inspiration, um, and they just keep saying that: hire for culture, hire for culture, hire for culture. Surround yourself with people who have a common vision, not necessarily the same you know thoughts and ideals, um, but the same morals and values at the very least. So we're inherently selfish as human beings. I would agree with so, that. you know, I don't need to look after myself and, you know, in your marketing things, it's like, you know, basically what's in it for me kind of yeah. mentality. So what we need to do is to get people to let go of that and be part of the team in a way where it's being selfless. So what we need to do is to figure out what beliefs are inherent in the team that cause these behaviors. Because some agents, you may have some of these, that they will put their foot on the gas Till they get a certain level of success and then they take their foot off the gas and they start coasting and yeah. had they just kept their foot on the gas they kind of go over the 40 home threshold a year and all of a sudden get up to the 60 80 but something in their makeup or you've got other people that you know if it's not their idea they're not going to support it they may say yeah 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 but they won't do it 
So how do we create a culture where people go, I need to be strong enough when something's not right to speak up. I need to be courageous enough when somebody points a finger at me that I don't react, that I kind of go, what are you seeing? And we discuss it. When we get an organization like that, it makes your job easier because all that human interaction stuff just goes away, that conflict. And all of a sudden people are like rolling up their sleeves saying, okay, all right, Chris, what's next? What is the next hill? What do we need to do? How do we actually have the same look and feel to our customers? Like people are individuals, but they kind of go, wow, these guys really care. These guys are driven. I got to tell all my neighbors and my friends, if you're going to do a transaction, you got to go to the group. Well, and, you know, and I think they tie in very closely together. You know, that's that whole scarcity versus abundance mentality. Yes. And, um, you know, in, in our world, an agent doing more, doing less. I remember having a conversation uh, with a realtor who's very capable of doing 100 deals a year. Um, and I think when I word it to him like that, he was scared of the success that that would have and scared of what that would mean in his life. So he wanted to knock that down to 35, which is unbelievably achievable for this, for this realtor, but very, very high in our market. Um, rewording it though to, I would like to see you helping 100 families per year succeed in their goals really kind of changed change things for for this particular person because he was a very giving person um and although he wanted this success and sort of stuff um you know there was still a scarcity mentality behind it of you know there's not enough time there's not enough money there i'm not necessarily good enough to do this um but if we reworded that because it was a very giving person once again to helping others then you know there's a, a mutual success i can serve behind it chris i wrote that down because that was like freaking genius the, you know, I'd like to see you help. Thing. I knew there was yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see you help a hundred families. All of a sudden, it goes back to that car example of going to negotiate. We go for ourselves and we suck at it. But if I'm going to help a hundred families, who am I to get in the way of that? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it steps them up. Yeah. And so, totally genius. So, Chris, before we part company today, what's a mind hack or a trick that you use to get more productivity or happiness or success in your life? Uh, you know what, I'm going to go with this, this one and it might be a little bit off kilter, but, uh, um, I've got an expression. Great. This is what happens next. Um, it's about taking, uh, control back into the, the process, uh, into our relationships. Um, always agreeing first. And let me give you a, a, a small example of this. Uh, cause I always like this example that I use often. Uh, Chris, you're a raving idiot and we don't want to work with you anymore. Great. Fantastic. I, I get I get we're not we're not seeing eye to eye. We're going to go for a coffee and we're going to explore what's going on here and if we should be working together, if we shouldn't be working together or how we change our relationship so that it does work mutually for the for the two of us. You know, always starting with great, always starting on that agreement side and then kind of leading it into that that discussion, the not possibility. Yeah, the possibilities of how that how that could I change. I love that. And I also like the shorter version of it for our own uh, issues, you know, you sucked at the marathon. You gave up. Yeah. Great. What's next? Next, I need yeah. to get in better condition. Next, I need to do, do this. And so totally genius. And is there a book that you would recommend that people read? You know what? Yes, there is. Um, Reframe Your Blame by Jay Fissette. It's a book about accountability that he really breaks down the six levels of. Um, I, I would have to say it's probably the best self-help book that I've read. And I actually know the author. Um, and I don't just say that, you know, it's the best self-help book uh, because I know him. Um, I, I truly legitimately think it's a, it's an amazing book and it's probably one of the um, golden gems out there that's very few heard of. So uh, I, I've seen it on Amazon fairly recently. 
Excellent. And uh, Chris, if you can do an introduction, we'd love to have him on the show because that would be like a brilliant topic to chat about. Yes, absolutely. I, I think it'd be spectacular to have on the show. Excellent. Chris, uh, I want to say thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It was a great interview. I took a lot of notes and uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Omar. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results.